Welcome to the Connected Mom Podcast, where we have real conversations helping you to connect more deeply with God, more empathically with your fellow moms, and more intentionally with your child. I'm Becky Harling, your host, and I have with me today my amazing, truly she is amazing, co-host, Sarah Wildman. Hey, Sarah. Hi, Becky. You know, I think one of the tricky and coolest parts of being a parent is seeing what kind of unique gifts and talents our kiddos come with, right? I mean, they can be so, so different, which can be such a joy and also make us want to pull our hair out. But <laughs> today we're talking about nurturing those traits that we see that God gave them individually. Is that right? Yeah, that's exactly right. Our guest today <laughs> is Melissa Hannigan, and she has written a book called Inconvenient Parenting. And, you know, I was so intrigued by the title because parenting is not always convenient, right? I can see some of you moms mm -hmm. in my mind nodding your head like, no kidding, you know, getting up at four in the morning with a child or uh, cleaning up the mess after an infamous school project. It, it, it can be a little inconvenient. And yet Melissa talks about activating your child's God-given traits. And I absolutely love that. Melissa has a Master of Arts degree in counseling from Midwestern Theological Seminary. She has helped teen girls overcome abuse, addiction, and trauma. Now she's a homeschooling mom, and she's passionate about helping families to become God-centered while calling out their child's individual personality. And I love that. Welcome, Melissa. Thank you so much for having me. Hey, it's a joy to have you. So, okay, let's get right to the title of your book, um, Inconvenient Parenting. I mean, yeah, it is a little inconvenient at times, right? Talk to us about that and why you came up with that title. Well, it's funny. I actually didn't come up with the title. My husband is the one that kind of came up with the title. Um, you know, we were we were in a car on a road trip and we, I had been implementing these 12 traits that I uh, came across during 2020. And I was saying yes more. I was allowing my kids to really lean into who God created them to be. So one day we were in the car and we're driving along and the girls, my two youngest daughters were in the backseat, just making up a song, rhyming words. Some of the words were, they were not singing exactly on tune. And I was just happily <laughs> sitting in the front seat. Not my typical attitude on road trips. Um, and my husband had noticed a change in me. And he said, explain to me, like, why, why are you okay with the noise and the off key notes in the back seat? And I said, you know, I really believe that God has led us to lay aside our comforts and our conveniences for the sake of our kids at the season that we're in. Not that our lives need to center around our children, but there definitely is a calling to lay down ourselves for the sake of our children. And he's like, man, that could be really inconvenient, can't it? And that's kind of where the title came from. I wanted to call it sacrificial parenting. I feel like that sounds more spiritual and holy. But the reality <laughs> is, it is inconvenient. You know, I, there were nights where I was ready to crawl into bed and my teenager, that's when they wake are you know ready to have those conversations that's when they yep. want to talk for hours and hours about their day and I like to go to bed before 11 o'clock at night but that's usually when they are perking up and so I'm the book is all about choosing 
the less comfortable, the less easy path for the much more holy and long-term benefiting our children path, in my view. I love that. I love that. Uh Thanks. So in your book, Melissa, you talk about developing 12 traits in our kids, right? Would you mind listing them, but then maybe talking about one as an example of how you tried to nurture that in one of your kiddos? Yeah. So first of all, you hear 12 and it can be overwhelming, right? Um, So (laughs) the 12 12 traits, I came across um, this researcher, Dr. Armstrong. He was looking at classroom settings and the best ingredients for a classroom for children's best success. Mm. He looked at geniuses over history and time and found these 12 things that they all had in common. Um, Wisdom, wonder, vitality, sensitivity, flexibility, curiosity, creativity, imagination, inventiveness, playfulness, humor, and joy. And as I was exposed to those 12. First of all, I was surprised by some of them being on a list for geniuses. Humor, playfulness, joy were not the first thoughts that came to mind when you think of Albert Einstein, right? But the more that I studied these traits, the more I realized that they really are gifts that God placed inside of us in each of my children. And my Mm -hmm. job was to steward them, to shepherd them, and to help cultivate them so that my kids can you know, reach their fullest potential. My favorite to talk about is wonder. Um, Wonder is that feeling of awe when you, for me as a Christian mom, you know, it's the awe to God. When I look at creation and I see a beautiful sunset or a majestic mountain, it's that just almost uncontrollable worship that happens in our hearts. And and so Mm -hmm. I love to take my children's eyes and place them on things so much bigger than themselves because it it's really easy in our culture today for our kids to think the world revolves around them um, mm-hmm. and that they are so much bigger. But when we expose them to God's creation, it really helps to help them take their eyes off themselves and look to, to the Lord and ultimately make them more empathetic. I couldn't believe the research that I found that being in nature, and this was from not a Christian perspective, but being in nature makes us more susceptible to be kind to other people, which wow. blew my mind. Isn't that crazy? So I shared some of those things that God like led me to understand. And that's what I want for my kids to be more empathetic, to look to others as ways to serve. So each of these qualities, and I, I tried to make it easy to read. I tried to make it not daunting where it's more of a checklist of things for moms to do because I'm in the trenches. I know we've got plenty on our plates, but it's more of a change in your mindset more than anything else thinking Hmm. differently about different qualities Um, another one that I like to talk about is playfulness again not something Mm. you think about for a genius right but um, as I was studying this idea of playfulness I realized that my husband is naturally gifted in this quality of playfulness and I didn't always see it as a gift Sometimes I saw it as an annoyance or just (laughs) an obstacle to overcome in my day. But as I I really let the Lord kind of change my mind about it, I leaned into his playfulness and it changed. It brought more joy to our home and more peace in our marriage. I share a story in the book about uh, a day that I was in the kitchen getting ready to, to do dishes and I turned the faucet on and he had turned the faucet nozzle around so that it sprayed me with water when I turned the water on. 
And in that moment, I had a choice, right? I could either get irritated with him, which is typically my MO, or I could choose to, to join in the fun and be playful. And so that's what I did. I sprayed the water back at him and it turned into a family water fight right there in our kitchen. My son got his Nerf water gun. My girls were giggling and it was just a really fun family memory time that I would have missed if I hadn't seen the playfulness as a gift instead of as an annoyance. Mm. I I love that story. And I, I think there are so many times where good parenting really is inconvenient. You know, I, I want to go back to something you said a few minutes ago about I found myself saying yes more than no. I mean, I remember a critical point in my own parenting journey when our kids were little, where all of a sudden it dawned on me, okay, I'm saying no a lot. And I had to backstep a little bit and begin to say yes. But I, I want to talk to you a little bit about one of the qualities you have in the book, because I think it might be applicable to some of our parents and the struggles they're having with their kids, or not struggles, but challenges maybe. Uh, the gift of sensitivity. I mean, I I just talked with a mom um, a couple of weeks ago who was telling me how sensitive her child is. And I've heard this repeatedly from parents recently who are finding like, okay, I want to parent this well, but I don't want it to kind of rule our house. Give us some tips for parenting your sensitive child. Big feelings, big emotions, all the things, right? Yes, right. So I do, I share, I have a very big feeling sensitive child. um, And it is is a journey. It is a discernment thing. Um, There are times where we had to encourage her to take risks where she was not willing to take. And then there are other mm-hmm. times where we we weighed the benefits of is it worth pushing her? For example, for some reason, as young as I can remember, she was terrified of movie theaters. Our family, mm-hmm. we would like to go Aww. see, you know, the newest animated features, a family day out. And she would just have full blown when she was a toddler it's temper tantrums is what we thought she's just Mm -hmm. kicking and screaming and she did not want to go and we could not figure out what it was that was it that she didn't want to see this movie did she not have the right seat what what was it that was making her mad and we could not pinpoint what the issue was and so for a season when she was little we just didn't go and then as she got older and she had vocabulary, I was able to talk to her and say, why? Why do you not like going to the movies? And I think that's the point that parents need to really key into is trying to get to the root of understanding those big feelings. Sometimes Mm. they make no sense. Sometimes there's a very clear reason. And for her, she was overwhelmed. Her senses were overwhelmed with the sound Mm -hmm. and the bigness of the picture. And she felt the storyline. Even a very kid-friendly movie was terrifying to her. And so we made a decision as a family that we would plan movie times around when she could go to grandma's house or go to play Mm -hmm. next door with the neighbor Mm -hmm. where we didn't force her. Now, there were other things that she was terrified to do, like going to the doctor that she had to. She had no choice. But Mm -hmm. we tried to weigh what was really essential for her to have to face her fears and what was not as important. At the same time, I'm giving her coping skills, teaching her how to breathe, how to find a verse that she can meditate on and really seek the Lord and ask him to be her peace and her calm. And now she's 15 Mm. years old and she still finds herself feeling very big feelings at times, but she is so much 
she's grown so much in her ability to cope and manage those feelings. And she's so much more empathetic to others. She can go to youth group and spot the other child that's really anxious and nervous. And she Mm. goes Mm. to them and serves them and, and can understand them. And so I think our sensitive kids are gifted in a way that we might not understand. They can understand their own feelings in the feelings of others. And that's a gift from the Lord. So our job yeah. as parents is to help shepherd that, right? To use it for God's glory instead of just to keep ourselves comfortable and safe. Yeah, I love that because I think it can be easy at times for parents to shame kids, you know, um, like, well, why are you crying again? Or why are you having this big fit rather than really seeking to understand? So I love that you brought out, you know, really seeking to understand what's behind those big feelings. That's huge. Well, and I can tell you, so our, our family has recently gone through a tragedy. We lost our mm-hmm. oldest son months ago. I'm so sorry. Thank you. But I will say God has been so faithful and and even preparing to write this book and to be more intentional about creating an environment where we can have conversations about feelings, that we don't shame each other for crying, that we allow each other to talk about what's going on inside of our hearts has Mm. been so life-changing for our grief as a family. My girls have been more free to talk about how they're feeling and there have been times my youngest has had meltdowns where it seems like she's kind of reverting back to younger stages of development Mm. where if I hadn't gone through the process of really discerning this and walking with the Lord through this journey of inconvenient parenting, I would have parented much differently. But because of this process, I'm able to stop and say, okay, what is really bothering her? One day in particular, she didn't finish a sandwich. And I was like, oh, your big sister can eat your other half. And so I gave her sister her sandwich. And she absolutely lost her mind over half of a sandwich, which is very Mm. out of character for her. She's typically very generous and sharing. And she was throwing her stuffed animals and just kicking and screaming. And I sent her to Mm. her room to keep her safe and to protect her sisters from her. But I stopped and I said, Lord... Help me to understand what's going on because I know that it's not about the sandwich. And that shifted my mind really instead of getting frustrated with her because that's what I really was feeling at first. I was empathetic and I'm like trying to understand what's going on. And after letting her cry and kick, she finally said, I miss my brother. And it was like, of course, she didn't want to give up her brother. And so that that idea of being curious about what is the root of what's going on really helped give her a a place to share what she's feeling and our relationship Mm -hmm. because I've said yes more because I prioritize slowing down and making time for our relationship. She felt a safe place to process her feelings and we still are to this day. So it's so important that we as parents do that. We, we get curious about what's going on and we ask questions and we don't Mm -hmm. assume that we know what their, you know, feelings are really about. Mm Hmm. So I'm thinking about if if you're not really in tune with these traits that maybe you could actually accidentally discourage them in a child, which I don't want to stay negative, but obviously this could help us not do that. So is there one or two of those traits that you feel like parents unintentionally stifle a little bit? Oh, absolutely. And I mean... 
creativity, for example, there's research that shows they, they looked at a kindergarten, a group of kindergartners, and their creativity levels were off the charts. And they followed the same group of students over a period of like their whole high school year. By the end, most of the students mm. had no levels of creativity. And it's not because they just magically disappeared, but because parents and culture and schools, they deprioritize creative play and we make other things more important. And so as parents, especially as our kids get older, we just have to remember to make time for these things, to allow our kids time to play, to be, you know, whether it's coloring or drawing or creative problem solving or my my middle daughter right now has decided she wants to write a novel and so that's a form of creativity Aww. right and Aww. I think as parents we don't I, I know that there have been seasons where I've just been so busy our kids are in every activity under the sun and we don't slow down and make time for our kids to be bored enough to be creative honestly Aww. and it's a, it's it's an easy trap to fall into but again my my prayer is that parents start to rethink about their priorities and what really matters most and make time for those things. Yeah, I, I love that. I think um, sometimes creativity or inventiveness, we discourage it because we just don't like the mess, right? Um, Absolutely. So tonight, it's interesting that we're talking about this. So 10 of my grandchildren, along with their friends, created this whole movie. And tonight, there's the premiere showing of their little movie and it's a red carpet oh. event. And so my one grandson who is eight, he said, well, you have to dress up for the red carpet showing of this movie tonight, you know, but he, um, he is wildly creative and I know, so, so are some of his cousins. And I think sometimes you know, you walk in your child's room and it looks like there was an explosion, right? Because they're inventing some new thing or they're using boxes or whatever. And yet it's so important to encourage their creativity. You know, how did you learn to deal with the messes? Because <laughs> <laughs> well, you have a story in the book about painting the windows. Tell oh, us Oh, yes. Yes. So I, it was... Um... It was Easter time, and I think I might have found it on Pinterest or somewhere, but we wa uh, watered down some paints, and we made a mural on our front window that faced out, and so we painted a cross and this really pretty uh, Easter scene, but my husband had no idea, and he's walking into the front door from home from work, and... I'm on the table because it's not just my kids that are getting creative and messy. I'm joining in with them. And so I'm standing up on a table under the window, kind of getting the high spots that my children can't reach. And he walks into the kitchen. He's like, what are you doing? Just like, listen, I, I said yes. And, and we had so much fun. And that window stayed painted for quite a long time. But it was, a mem again, it was a memory. It was an opportunity for them to express, you know, for my girls, they'll always remember. Remember the time mom let us paint on the window? That's so crazy. But it, it was it was a fantastic family memory that I'm so grateful that I said yes to. How'd you get it off? Oh, just soap and water. It was pretty easy. Okay. I mean, it was washable paint. So Okay. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, that's the thing with the messes. You know, I, I try to, we try to have boundaries with the, keeping the messes in contained areas. 
and having uh-huh. family cleanup time. You know, we set a timer. It's like, okay, we're going to take 15 minutes to just put everything back where it goes. But also my standards have come down significantly from my first child to my fourth child. Like, you know, <laughs> the having everything picture perfect all the time is unrealistic. And once yeah. I let go of that standard, there was a lot of freedom in that. And my kids felt more freedom to be themselves. We just moved into a new house. And for the first time, we have kind of an upstairs classroom area where we can keep it messy if we want. And the downstairs where we'll host guests and have Bible study can stay nice and clean. And it's going to be a chain life changing for our family. But um, yeah, we just try to prioritize what matters most and let go of the things that don't. And another thing I remind myself is this is a season. It's not going to be yeah. like this forever, right? I was mentally preparing for my son to go off to college next year. And so as I would do piles of his laundry last year, I'd think it's not going to be like this forever. He's going to be gone. And so I really treasured the moments. And I'm so Mm -hmm. grateful that I did because I had no idea. The Lord knew he was going to be taking him home to heaven sooner than I imagined. But that soaking in the memories and remembering that it's a season really helped Mm -hmm. me to slow down and enjoy as much as I could every moment of his childhood. Mm-hmm. So I was thinking about as you were sharing with your husband coming home and, and your painting along with the kids that <laughs> the cool part is as parents, for those of us lucky enough to have two parents in the house, right? Mom and dad, that we both come with our own traits. And I I have to think that if you and your husband are on the same team, that he's probably stronger at some of those and maybe even connects easier, right? With some of the kids because of the shared traits. And then you have those. So I think sometimes uh, Becky and I talk about like, this is a no guilt zone because maybe you're not the one that can really connect on that trait, but it might be your husband. Does, has that happened to you guys? Oh, yes, definitely. I mean, playfulness, like I said, that's definitely his strength. Hmm. He's so good at being playful and bringing joy and humor into the home. And I'm the sensitivity mom. I could talk about feelings with the kids all day, and that's hmm. not my husband's strength. And yeah, when we both recognize that God created us uniquely and differently, we can lean into our strengths for our family. You know, I, I, I talk about how our families are little churches and they're meant to be representations of the way the body of Christ functions. And everybody in the body of Christ has a different purpose and a different role. And not one role is not any better than the other. But when we all function in our giftings, then God is the most glorified. And it's true in our families and in our homes. Yeah, I um, I think back on our years of raising our kids, and Sarah knows this about my husband because she knows him pretty well. He's Mr. Adventurer. So when my kids look back on their childhood, they had their greatest adventures with dad because he would do crazy stuff with them, whereas I valued safety and security. So, and I, I was the sensitive one, you know, so I could talk with them about their feelings where Steve would take them out and take them in these crazy waves in the ocean or do, you know, nutso stuff with them. But 
God used both of us in our kids' lives. I, I know sometimes I want to be sensitive to those of you that are listening who are single parents because maybe you lean more towards one thing or the other, but there are other people in the body of Christ who can bring the other qualities to your kids, and it, it's good for them to be exposed to all of that. So, Melissa, your book is primarily targeted, or, or you yourself are a homeschooling mom correct? But the book brings so much that parents who work outside the home or parents who have their kids in Christian school or public school or charter school, I mean, there's a whole variety of schools, right? So how can this help parents who maybe don't, you know, they're not homeschooling parents? Absolutely. And we we've done all the schoolings too. We have not exclusively homeschooled from the beginning. And so, yeah, I, I, I wrote this book for my best friends and for other moms just to share the encouragement that the Lord brought to me. And a lot of my friends are just, you know, homes, uh, public school moms, private school moms. Again, it's not about the way that we educate our kids. It's more about the way that we relate with our kids. I oh, love say that again. You- <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Say that again. That was it's, so good. Say it again. Yeah, it's not the way that we educate our kids, but it's the way we relate to our kids. And yes. my goal with this book is to change the way that we think about our children, ourselves, and our role as parents. I think, again, we get into the routine of day to day that we forget the holy work that is parenthood. And the sacrifice and the joy that, that the Lord allows us to do, whether we're a husband and wife or just a single parent, God has equipped us. He knows us and he knows our children and he has placed us in the families that we are for a purpose. And so I get so excited talking to parents and encouraging them and reminding them of these truths, because I think a lot of us know these things, right? It's not earth shattering new information, but my, I see myself as a, as a cheerleader, as an encourager to say, you've got this. God has given you everything that you need to, to succeed in this role of parenting. Don't lose hope. Just keep, keep doing the things that you know, God's called you to do. And so that's, that has nothing to do with how we educate and everything to do with how we parent. I, I love that because I think at the end of the day, something that Sarah and I both believe in is that we want to help you connect with your kids. And when you're calling out these God-given traits, you're it's giving you a deeper connection with your child. And actually, they're more likely then to follow your faith later in life, the more connected you are with them. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I believe the more we walk out our faith in front of our kids and the the more that we lean on the Lord and spend time with him and let our kids mm-hmm. see us doing that, they follow behind us. Right. And ultimately, I could not have chosen the inconvenient parenting path without my relationship with the Lord, without daily spending time with him and seeking his will for my family and mm-hmm. his discernment for each of my children. Again, as I sat in my my son's hospital room and I thought about, you know, over his life, I saw God's faithful hand in guiding me to the way that I parented him. I'm so proud of the young man that he became. And there's so many stories I could share about his testimony while he's paralyzed in ICU, sharing his faith with the hospital staff and the nurses. Mm. It's just incredible. And I don't take credit for that. God was so good to my son but I also look and and I'm like God you 
led me each step of the way and I followed as best as I could and I messed up and I was not a perfect mom but I'm so thankful for the journey that I had with Joey because I don't regret a moment of it I got to enjoy every second of it and a lot of it has to do with calling out Joey's unique qualities I share a story about his an invention that goes bad and he was a, an inventor he loved to experiment and mm. take electronic things apart and put them back together and sometimes they didn't always work out so well but mm -hmm. again I got to say yes I got to see him light up and, and and be full of joy as he explored and experimented and that was directly resulting with the Lord leading me in this way and I'm so mm -hmm. grateful for his faithfulness so awesome speaking of the Lord is there a certain verse or maybe a few that's really guided you? Maybe even after losing Joey, that's been especially sweet to you. Yeah. Well, one of the very first Bible verses that I ever was led to memorize. Well, I wasn't raised in a traditional Christian home. Started going to church when I was in high school. Really didn't start walking, like understanding discipleship till I was later high school, early college. So one day I decided I'm going to memorize a book of the Bible. Very little, I was not very familiar with scripture, but I opened up to James chapter one and decided that's where mm. I was going to start. And so for most of my life, James one, two has been one of those verses that I've just really held on to counted all joy when you face various mm. trials, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance and perseverance must finish its work so that you could be mature and complete. And my understanding of all of that as a young college student versus now as a mom who's lost her child has changed significantly, but I was so encouraged so Joey's accident, he, he, uh, sorry, he fractured his spine and had to have surgery the next day. And, um, mm. our church, we're very connected to our church and he's very involved in our Sunday school. And so we have a local basketball team at our church and they wanted to, uh, what's the word I can't think of, like, um, put a verse on their Jersey in honor of Joey. Um, and so I asked Joey before he went into surgery, what, what is a verse that you want to put on your Jersey? And it was James one, two. And I was so moved by his faith and his just assurance that he could count it all joy. And he kept such a smile and such a just unwavering trust in the Lord up until the very end mm. of his life. And so that verse has been mm -hmm. an anchor for our family. My girls, even today, you know, we, we still struggle with grief. I, I definitely have learned it's not, you know, linear stages like you people think it is. It's, it's a big mess, but we can count it all joy. And it's, isn't it like God that in the chat, the, the very last chapter of the book is on the quality of joy and a little, I had no idea that it would have been so pivotal in our story as it is today. Mm -hmm. um, but I couldn't, I couldn't finish this book without talking about joy of the Lord. Dr. Armstrong talked about joy as like the, the aha moment of learning, you know, that excitement that you see in your kids when they finally get something that they've been working on, which is a form of joy, but the ultimate joy that comes alone in the Lord. I couldn't, I couldn't end the book without talking about mm -hmm. faith in God. You know, I hope that this book falls into the hands of some that don't necessarily have a relationship with him. And ultimately they can find joy in the Lord because that is 
the only place that we've been able to find true joy is in a relationship with him. And so, yeah, James 1, 2 has been our kind of family verse that we've held on to. You know, that that is a great place to end our podcast today, Melissa. And, you know, for those of you that are listening, moms, this is a great book. You could gather some moms in your neighborhood, even those that don't know the Lord. And it is a great book to do together as kind of a book club book, because each of these qualities are things that every mom wants in her child. She may not know how to get there, but these are great qualities for your kids. So Melissa, where can our listeners get in touch with you? Where can they get the book? Okay. Well, uh, inconvenientparenting.com. You can get the book there or really anywhere that books are sold. Moody.com, Amazon, Barnes and Nobles. But uh, Inconvenient Parenting is my personal website. And then you can find me on Instagram, melissahannigan.author, I think is what it is now. Um, So, and I'm sharing a lot of our family's journey with grief and our inconvenient parenting life and just a lot of things there. So I'd be happy to connect with listeners and continue this conversation. That's a that's great. Thank you so much, Melissa. You've done a great job. And this has been so insightful. And I, I know that those of you that are listening have been blessed by this because so many great ideas on how to really connect with your kids. And after all, that's what we're about. So let me close us out in prayer. Lord Jesus, thank you for this uh, time that we've had with you. Thank you for the children that you give us. Help us to always remember that they are precious gifts from you and help us to really set our hearts to enjoying them and to enjoying the unique qualities that you've given them. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hey friends, thanks for joining us today on the Connected Mom podcast. And I know that you're going to want to share this podcast with your friends today. So please feel free to do that and join us again next week where we'll have another conversation to help you connect more deeply with God, more empathically with your fellow moms and more intentionally with your child. Thanks for joining us. Hey, all you moms out there, this is Becky Harling, and I love creating resources to help you connect more empathically with your child. One of those resources is a book that I wrote called How to Listen So Your Kids Will Talk. One of the greatest skills you can cultivate, really enhance that connection with your child is the skill of listening. So how well do you really listen? This book is loaded with practical ideas to get your kids talking and to help you as you listen. You can buy it wherever Christian books are sold. You can order it on Amazon or anywhere else. So I hope you'll get a copy of the book and put the work into listening to your child.